With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Hey, everybody, welcome in to the first show of 2023. Happy New Year, everybody. And uh, it is a holiday for probably most of you today since New Year's Day fell on Sunday. But we're here live since there were normally this would be pre-recorded show for the holiday. But uh, we're here live since there were games to talk about uh, from Saturday. So we will do that today. Jack Evans will join us to talk about the big win over Louisville for the basketball team, for the men's basketball team. Freddie Maggard will join us to talk about a loss for Kentucky in the Music City Bowl for the football team. And then we'll uh, finish up with a few minutes with Richard Skinner from uh, Channel 12 in Cincinnati as the Bengals host the Bills in a big game tonight. And uh, should be quite a uh, night in Cincinnati for Monday Night Football. So that's our lineup for today as we roll into the Wildcat News of the Day, once again presented by Giuseppe's of Lexington. Kentucky basketball beats Louisville 86-63 with Jacob Toppin leading the way. Toppin scored 24 points and talked after the game about how he really hit rock bottom out at Missouri. Uh, he struggled. He, he missed a three-point attempt by, I, I don't know, it's, it's as far off as, as I've ever seen him uh, miss a shot. Uh, and immediately you know, turned it over after that. He just uh, looked like he had, not an ounce of confidence. Body language was bad. And then this was a 180-degree turn on body language. He looked like the Jacob Toppin that I think we were all expecting him to be coming into the season, playing with confidence, uh, making shots that uh, are his kind of shots, uh, very you know, smiling, just having a good time, playing better defense. And uh, he said he got there by talking with his coach and his teammates. I had a good talk with uh, Coach Cal um, the other day. I had a good talk with my teammates, and then I called a few other people just to try to like get back right mentally, and uh, it helped a lot. One of the other people was a sports psychologist that Calipari has used with his players for years, uh, Bob Rotella, and just a lot of positivity for Jacob and Whatever the formula was that came together, it certainly uh, worked. Now, uh, can he sustain it is the question, obviously, as they go back into SEC plays, a Louisville team that has been struggling. Uh, but, nevertheless, a, a lot to like about what you saw from Jacob Toppin in that game. Overall, Kentucky shot 60%, plus 13 in the rebounding. They had 18 assists to just 12 turnovers. Still struggles at the free throw line, 16 of 25. Mainly that was Oscar Shibway going 4 of 9 in the game. And uh, Oscar, for his career, is about a 
69% free throw shooter. Um, and that's about where he is for this season. So, um, if you're, if your guy who gets fouled a lot is going to be a little in and out as a free throw shooter, then it's not going to be a great free throw shooting team. It's just going to be, but hopefully they can get uh, better. They, you know, they, they uh, if they could get up closer to the high sixties instead of being toward the, the lower end of the spectrum of the sixty percent range, that would help a lot. Uh, John Calipari after the game talked about uh, the key is playing more deliberate with his team. We'll uh, get him to expound on that a little bit tonight on the radio show. And then uh, shortening his rotation. Really, it was uh, mostly six guys. Uh, got a little bit of action for Thierro and Collins and Onyenso, but mainly it was the starters and Antonio Reeves, uh, the first guy off the bench for Kentucky. Now to the Music City Bowl, where <clears throat> Iowa beat Kentucky 21 nothing for Kentucky. Without some of uh, its its two best offensive players, uh, Will Levis and Chris Rodriguez, against an Iowa defense that is among the best in the nation, it was a, a difficult spot for Kentucky. Uh, Destin Wade got his first start as a college player at uh, quarterback against that defense and threw two pick sixes, and really the first one was pretty much the end of the game. I mean, Iowa had scored. In a, in a battle of field position, Iowa had uh, gained a big advantage in the field position, took advantage of it to score a touchdown. That might well have been enough on that day. But then when they added the pick six, uh, it was going to be difficult. And then another pick six right before uh, halftime, and uh, it was essentially you know insurmountable for Kentucky. Uh, they had a couple of deep shots to Barry and Brown in the first half that uh, had they hit um, one of those, maybe get six six points out of that, uh, then uh, it's maybe you've got a chance to make it a different game. We'll talk about it with uh, Freddie Maggard, but kind of played out like a lot of the uh, experts expected in terms of uh, the uh, the lack of offensive production by two against two outstanding defensive units. Kentucky was uh, stellar as well as was Iowa. Women's basketball number twenty three Arkansas handled Kentucky seventy one to fifty. Kentucky without Robin Benton, who had a finger injury, falls to eight and six and zero oh and two in the league. Shot just twenty six percent from the field. Blair Green led the Wildcats with fourteen points. We get to a break. Come back, talk some UK basketball with Jack Givens. First up on this edition of the Leach Report. Links to the stories we talk about each day in this opening segment can be found on the Bud Light Leach Report page at townleachky.com. And the opening segment presented by Giuseppe's of Lexington. Somewhere early in this new year, put it on your to-do list to get to Giuseppe's for a special dining experience. Go to giuseppeslexington.com, see their menu, make reservations, and we'll see you soon at Giuseppe's. We'll be right back. Welcome back into our show for this first show of the new year. Not the first day. It's January 2nd as we welcome in Jack Evans, who was uh, alongside Darren Hedrick for the call of the UK men's game at Rupp Arena on uh, Saturday. And Jack, the, the big story, obviously, was, was Jacob Toppin. And I know as far back as the, the games you and I worked in the Bahamas, uh, you and you know, you've seen so many practices. Uh, you know, I remember you and I talking down in the Bahamas about just the the confidence that with which Jacob carried himself in those practices uh, back in the summer, and how much you know more mature and, and uh, confident he looked. And he had lost that. He seemed to get some of it back on Saturday. 
Well, you know, it was interesting because one of my keys, Tom, to the game was that Jacob had to start working to earn that starting spot back. You know, I mean, coaches make the change like that to a veteran to deliver a message. And um, I I just felt like this team, and I still feel the same way, that this team's not going to be very good without Jacob doing not necessarily what he did Saturday, but uh, but it was really good to see, and you know that. But, uh, yeah, he had totally lost it, and then all of a sudden it's like a light switch uh, just kind of flipped back on, man. He looked like he was playing in the Bahamas, and, of course, that's what this team, team needs for him. And you and I both have been uh, just crying for that, and it's great to see him bounce back with a game like that. I think back to the very first game, one of the first game, the first big game, the Champions Classic um, against Michigan State, and how Jacob uh, didn't seem to to be playing with confidence then. He was turning down shots. As a you and I joked, you could see you reacting to him. You know, just not seizing an opportunity when the ball swings to him for an open shot or an ability to to throw the ball inside, and he seemed to to be just just hesitant. Uh, it. Again, I haven't seen all of it yet, but you know he just looked like a much more confident player in everything that he did, offensively and defensively. Exactly, and and that's kind of how the game is, man. When one phase of your game is working and you have confidence, um, it 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 seems like the rest of your game picks up. And uh, of course, he played that that way. I'm sorry you had to miss it because, um, man, it was just from the first shot. Uh, that confidence you you've mentioned it just seemed to be there, and of course, with a guy like Jacob, I mean, the important part of it is for him to take those opportunities, even if you miss shots. Yeah, you want to make them. Uh, you're never going to be able to make them all, but even if you miss that shot, the defense now has to come and play you, and that makes it easier for Oscar and for other guys on the on the floor because. I think everybody knows how good he is and how everybody but him for a long time knows how good he is and and what he means to this team. And when he's doing that and when he's being aggressive, it just makes it so much easier for everybody else. The defense has to now guard him instead of uh, backing back in the pain and making it harder to get the ball into Oscar. A lot of things uh, bounce off of uh, how top in plays. So it was, was really, really good. And I hope that confidence that you've mentioned a couple of times is back to stay because this team definitely needs it. Yeah, they uh, they need that uh, version of, of Jacob Toppin. And again, not that he has to score 24 every game, but if you, you look at this team and, um, you know, Savir's not going to be, a, you know, he might occasionally have a 20-point game for plays that like, say, North Carolina last year, but for the most part, he's the the table setter, um, mm-hmm. and so you've got to find a way to to get enough points to win the game. And Oscar's going to get you his. We've you and I've talked about Cason, uh, what where he can be a you know a guy that could get you you know fifteen to twenty fairly regularly. Jacob needs to be one of those guys for this team too, doesn't he? Yeah, you know, I mean, you mentioned uh, Wheeler. I, I don't know that Kentucky wants him getting twenty. No. I mean. Uh, they 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 want him to be responsible for uh, uh, more than twenty because of his assists and his ability to 
uh, to run the team. Um, if he gets 20, he gets them because he has to. And that's not a good way for this, this team to play because that means he's taking a lot of shots in the, in the late, late in the clock, shot clock. And you, you, you just don't want to play that way. Uh, but yeah, for, for Jacob, I mean, what he means to this team, I, I interviewed, uh, Kaysen after the game, man. And when I, I, I said to him, you can't really talk about this game. Yes, you played great, but you have to really focus on, um, Jacob Toppin. And when I said that, man, you should have seen his face light up, man. <laughs> he, he just reacted, uh, uh, like a kid on Christmas morning. And that's how happy he was to see Jacob have that kind of game. And that's just what he means to this team. The next challenge I would, I would think for Jacob could be, uh, the next time he faces a, uh, some kind of challenge similar to say that UCLA game where you have, uh, one of the better players on the other team that's maybe a physical four man that is going to, uh, you know, make, make it uncomfortable for you and more so than Louisville was able to do. And, you know, can he, you know, f- fight through that? And, uh, because he certainly has the, the skill set <clears throat> to be able to do it. I remember up in New York going to the practice the day before the UCLA game and Cal was working so hard to, to pump Jacob up and to try to give him confidence. Uh, about what was coming with Haquez, and obviously, you know, it didn't take, so to speak, in that game or the Missouri game, but it did for this one. Whatever that button they found, you know, maybe it was, you know, talking to, you know, people outside of basketball along with his teammates and coaches, but whatever it was, they certainly seemed to find the right button to push. You know, for me, the play of the game, um, now he didn't get any points for this or anything, but the play of the game for me when it came to Jacob was, Man, he came running, two of them. One time he he just flat came running in for an offensive rebound, and he dunked the ball on it. I mean, that's a rebound that he normally wouldn't get. It was a physical rebound. He he, I don't know where he came from, but he just soared high over everybody, got the offensive rebound, dunked it back through, and I thought, Okay, I like that. And then another play, he's not going to get any points for, but he 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 kind of dove, uh, covered a lot of distance diving for a ball. And that's a physical play. That's a play where you just give up your body because you know if you don't hit anything else, you're going to hit the floor hard, you know. And there are other people diving for that ball. And Jacob somehow came up with that one and, Got it to someone. I don't know for sure what happened. Kentucky might have scored on that on that play, but those were two physical plays that tells me that. Listen, he just for that game, his attitude was: I don't care what happens. I'm going to do what I need to do, and that's a great attitude for him to play with. We're talking with Jack Evans, and we'll take a break. Come right back. It is the Leach Report Radio Network for a Monday. Jack Evans, the goose was courtside with Darren Hendrick for the call on the UK radio network of Kentucky and Louisville on Saturday. Uh, we've been uh, talking a lot about uh, Jacob Toppin. Cal talked about after the game that uh, one of the keys for him was having his team play more deliberate. What's he uh, talking about there? Well, um, you know, I, I think his approach in practice has 
has changed a little bit um, from what I had seen, and they have become a lot more deliberate, a lot more uh, defined, and his his practice has become tougher, if you will, uh, Tom, because of his, and I, I, we mentioned it, uh, uh, he said often uh, here lately, uh, cry in practice yeah. so you can laugh in the game, and that uh, is a really, really strong statement. I love that because that's kind of the way we played um, back in the day with Coach Hall. I mean, we looked at games as a vacation a lot of times because, man, it was just so nice to see new faces and not have to hear it from Coach Hall and the other coaches. So we made sure that we played uh, as hard and as well in the games so we could have a little bit easier in practice. Now, it never got that much easier, but it wasn't any worse, that's for sure. So I think his his approach in practice has changed just a little bit from what I noticed here over the last couple of weeks. And I think that forces the team to uh, lock in more, if you will, and to understand more what the role is and what the object is, what they're going for in a particular game and a particular situation. And it certainly showed in that Louisville game. Doug with uh, the Goose, uh, Jack Givens. Kentucky back into conference play tomorrow night, so it's a pretty quick turnaround. This is an LSU team that uh, just beat Arkansas to go to 12-1 and on the season, but this will be the first time they've played on an opponent's home court. It's been all neutral or or home games for LSU. And, and I think an important game for Kentucky because if you don't come out and you know build on what you did in this uh, win over Louisville, then it uh, tends to be viewed, and, and maybe players, whether they would acknowledge it, even think a little bit about, well, you know, Louisville wasn't very good. Uh, we've still got a lot of work to do. Whereas if you come out and look good against LSU, it kind of buoys that confidence. Yeah, you know, I was just looking at LSU's numbers, man, and uh, they have held teams to just 63 points a game. So that tells me that they are, are a really, really good defensive player. They only have a couple of guys averaging in double figures now they're good players i mean uh williams is is really really good but um you know kentucky yeah it's just is what it is tom there's no other way to look at it this is the sec the sec is really really good this year so every home game is magnified because you know it's going to be a little tougher on the road you simply cannot afford to Give up one at home, especially a team that you can beat. And I know LSU's record is, you know, like 12 and 1, and they got all this going on. But it's got to be a win for Kentucky. Jack, appreciate the time. See you tomorrow night at Rupp. Thank you, Tom. Halfway home on the Leach Reports. Ready, Bagger, when we return. We come to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio in Lexington. Return, refresh, and refuel at Clark's Pump and Shops all across Kentucky. And make sure you download their app because they have monthly specials that reset every month. So they have new ones that are ready to go for January. So download that app for Clark's Pump and Shop and return, refresh, and refuel. Freddie Maggard joins us now. You can read him at uh, Kentucky Sports Radio and also the uh, podcasts there on Kentucky football and 
his uh, latest post is his regular a- after action reviews on the bowl game. And uh, Freddie, uh, this one there was probably not a lot that was surprising. You you looked at the two defenses and they played to form. Uh, Kentucky was outstanding, <laughs> so was Iowa. Iowa. Uh, kept getting good field position and finally took advantage of it to get a touchdown, and that might have been enough to win the game. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you know with the Iowa touchdown, it, it was uh, it was scored by winning football in terms of what Iowa does. And, and that, I, I, if you look back to the third phase, the special teams Iowa, I, you know, one of the best teams in the country in that perspective. But it was the punt return that uh, was placed inside the 10-yard line, I think by DeGene is, is, was the returner's name. And uh, Kentucky missed a few tackles. He brings it out to the 30 around that. That field position led to the short field eventually that Iowa had to score their only touchdown of the game. So uh, special teams, defense, and then uh, don't make any mistakes on offense. That was Iowa's plan. Very simplistic offensive plan. And, uh, and the Hawkeyes won. But you know, I, Destin Wade was put into a tremendously difficult position going in his first start against that defense in his hometown. That was a tough ask for Destin, but I thought, I thought the young quarterback competed, uh, two, two pick sixes. Obviously you have to talk about that, but, uh, going against that defense, that was a, that was a tough, tough situation that Destin Wade was put in. You know, we'll see if, if it turns out this way for him. I remember, Rich Brooks uh, telling me that it was uh, a lopsided loss to Louisville at the start of the 2006 season that solidified in his mind that he'd made the right choice with Andre Woodson to be his quarterback because of how he kept competing through a very adverse situation that night. And that proved to be very accurate as Andre went on to have a, a great couple of years. So there is something to be said for you know seeing how a guy fights through that kind of adversity. Well, I, I can I have a experience like that uh, from my career time. My first start was against Indiana, and uh, back then under Bill Mallory, Indiana was a top what ten, fifteen team, mm-hmm. and uh, that was my first game. My first game as a starter, and I threw two first half interceptions. You know, I had to have a, a you know a moment with myself, and you know, I'm not going to go out like this and. You know, I can get better from it, or or I can just uh, sit here for three years and get a diploma from it. So yeah, it's a tough situation, but it's happened to a bunch of us, and you know, it's just part of it. It's part of the low, uh, learning and growing process for for Destin, and uh, you know, I, I think he'll he'll be better from it. I uh, understand the the fans who would say, "Why didn't we see Kaya Sharon or even Deuce Hogan at some point uh, in that?" second half maybe at least after a series or two um uh, it sounded like after the game part of what mark stoops his approach was uh, thinking not beyond that one game yeah looking at the at the big picture and because you know look look what kentucky went through this year with will levis being banged up and missing the game kyle sharon started against south carolina so that was his opportunity and, and destin made this was his so uh yeah i can understand that but it really, I don't think, would have mattered, to be quite honest with you. That Iowa defense was locked in. And, uh, you know, this is not this is not a judgment statement, but Iowa's best players played from their best unit, 
and Kentucky's didn't, and, and that started with Jack Campbell. And there's nothing, you know, again, these decisions are individual, and I support each of them. But Jack Campbell playing through an injury and playing as well as he did uh, was, to me, similar to Benny Snell and Josh Allen deciding to play in a bowl game. That brought some, uh, I think, added motivation for the Hawkeyes, and uh, and they won a football game. Iowa, listen, Iowa was the better team and deserve to win the football game. And then just congratulations to them. The best thing for Kentucky is the bowl game is over with. Uh, there didn't appear to be any significant injuries. And it's time to start moving forward for some significant changes to an offense that was very frustrating throughout the 2020 season, not just against Iowa and the Music City Bowl. Yeah, now I think all very well said. If if Levis and, and Rodriguez are there, it's still going to be tough against that defense. Yeah, but yeah. they would have. Uh, I think it would have been a a more competitive uh, game for yeah uh, for Kentucky. Yeah, and you know yeah, the way it was. Yeah. There, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, yeah, you know Iowa has four players uh, that's been All American last year and this year. Three of the four played. The only one that did not was uh, a safety. Well, I can't remember his name right Merriweather. now. But, uh, Merriweather, yeah. So, I mean, it's just, again, there's no right or wrong decisions that these players are making, but, but it has to be discussed that, you know, you had you had uh, Sam Laporta, you had Riley Moss, and Jack Campbell playing in the game, and, and, and those players all played very well. Yeah, it, it is a it, – it's a different world now with, uh, you know, guys that, that opt out for the draft. Uh, yeah. There's more and more money involved uh, for, especially a guy like Levis, uh, at yeah. you know, potentially you know potentially number one overall pick, but certainly high first round from all the indications. And you know, I, I have trouble being too critical of a of a guy when I don't know what I would have done or would have advised my son yeah. in a similar situation. So uh, I, I understand all of that, but I also know that, you know you see some some tweets like. Mike Edwards, a former Kentucky player, tweeting out about you know all their guys played, and so you know I, I get that on the on the the other side. The pushback is yeah. it? Do you do? You, let me ask you this: do, You're just a college football fan. Do you think bowl games are going to go away, or at least to an extent, or is there going to be a way to use NIL to maybe get more guys to uh, def, to uh, not opt out? I think the TV contracts and the money to the conferences is too high for the bowls to go away. But I, I do think there's there's going to have to be some adjustments, some incentives for the players, uh, and that still won't. You know, I don't know if that will actually do away with opt outs. You know, because money given to an individual game is nothing compared to what an NFL career can bring. But, you know, I can see the Bulls using NIL money and maybe staggering the amount to the winning team, some some incentives like that uh, to, to bring back, you know, the best players because it's only going to get worse. And and I, I use that word worse loosely. It's only going to be more opt-outs. And, and I, again, I don't know if that's good or bad, uh, you know, because, again, they're all individual decisions. Now, from, from me, as, you know, as college football as I am, uh, I didn't really focus a lot on bowl games this this bowl season. Didn't really, uh, you know, I watched some, but it wasn't a, you know, I have to must see this game kind of scenario. But yeah, I do think there's got to be some changes, and and but bowls will never go away because of the money that that, that these those games bring in. 
other than the two national championship, you know, the national playoff games on Saturday, I think the ones I might have been the most invested in as, as a fan might have been the Troy game because of John Sumrall. Uh, for me, it, it was the Troy game because of John Sumrall, and it was the uh, Music City Bowl. Uh, oh, know, yeah, I happened to, that one, yeah. yeah. Those two, I mean, then the rest of them, I mean, it was hit and miss for me, Tom, because there was a Yellowstone and a West Wing marathon on, <laughs> two different channels, and I'll be honest, those two kind of captured me during bowl season, and, you know, uh, <laughs> because because I love football, and, you know, the bowls are fun to a lot of people, but. You know, it, it just gets hard seeing backup quarterback starting, you know, game after game after game. So, yeah, for me, uh, it's, yeah. you know, it's going to be whoever, wherever Kentucky's playing, obviously, and the two yeah, in the exactly. national playoff. And then, yeah. you know, after that, it may be, uh, you know, yeah, I thought uh, the South Carolina Notre Dame was a great game in the Gator Bowl. Yeah. It was a very entertaining game. So, uh, yeah, I didn't have there, as there were some game. entertaining games. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't have as much necessary uh, interest going in, but they you know, Arkansas Kansas turned out to be you yeah. know of a great game as well. We're talking with Freddie Maggard uh, from KSR. We'll take a quick break. Come back one more segment on the Leach Report Radio Network. Fourteen away from the top of the hour. We're visiting with Freddie Maggard and the uh, wrap up for the Kentucky football season that closed with a bowl loss to Iowa, ended the win streak in bowl games at four, and the non-conference winning streak at twenty. And Kentucky, was, both teams were with a uh, backup quarterback. And, and Freddie, we're talking about just the the new uh, world of college football with with NIL, and in particular with transfers as it pertains to quarterbacks. Uh, it feels to me like it, most teams are rarely going to have a, a great backup quarterback situation anymore. Am I right on that? Yeah, quarterbacks are born to transfer, and you're seeing more and more of that. And then now you're seeing the circuit where quarterbacks will play at two schools and, and sometimes three schools and just find jobs, and, and that, that's that's modern-day football. Um, you know, Tom, we, we talked a lot about the Iowa defense, but that Kentucky defense was brilliant, and, and yes, it's it been was. that way for the majority of the season, uh, eight, three and outs consecutively over 13 on third, fourth down. And that was without DeAndre square, Khalil Saunders and Carrington Valentine. And it was, you know, those players are, have, have been wonderful for Kentucky, but it didn't miss a beat. The cats didn't, and, uh, just played extremely well defensively. Yeah. And in, in a game like this, where you don't have guys like, you know, Levis, C-Rod, Carrington, right. uh, that, uh, you uh, don't have those guys. The guys who did play uh, definitely yes. played like they were were glad to be oh, out man. there wearing the uniform, played with great passion. Yeah, yeah, and that's both sides of the ball, even though the offense struggled. Yeah. Now, Kentucky played extremely, extremely hard in, in all three phases. I mean, that you have to give uh, the Cats credit for that. Even down their stars, I mean, they played hard, and and that that's a culture thing that Mark Stoops has established over ten years. Uh, you know, these teams play hard for the most part, and I thought they really, really battled in Nashville. Uh, Freddie, the uh, outlook with the what they landed, filling needs in the transfer portal, would seem to be uh, positive, very positive for next year, and the guys they'll have back on defense, especially. Yeah, you know that defense just replenishes and replaces, and and with with stars or without, I mean it's proven to be a top five defense, and I expect that again next year. I think a lot of the the portal action is going to be on the offensive side of the ball, and I don't think Kentucky's finished. Uh, there's still some more things that need to be fixed on the offense, and 
that's going to take a serious look for Mark Stoops in the offseason because uh, we're getting ready to go into another cycle of transfers after the bowl games and seasons are complete, decisions are made. And then we'll go through another one later on after spring practice when depth charts are established. So uh, the portal rarely and hardly ever ends. And I think Kentucky's going to be very uh, astute to the names that come across the wire. Freddie Maggard, you can read his after-action review on the bowl game and all his coverage of the Cats at uh, KSR and uh, and follow via the uh, the uh, Kentucky Football Podcast oh. there as well that Freddie's a part of. Freddie, Happy New Year. Thank you for coming on. Okay, Tom. Thank you. Bye-bye. We'll uh, close this out with a uh, quick visit with our buddy Richard Skinner from uh, in Cincinnati about the big game for the Bengals tonight. We'll be coming right back on the Leash Report segment of our show first one for 2023 as we welcome in richard skinner from wkrc channel 12 in cincinnati it's local12.com on the web and uh, at local 12 skinny on twitter for richard who uh, we want to talk with about the bengals game tonight as they get set to take on the buffalo bills at um in what used to be Paul Brown Stadium. I think it's Paycor now, I think, uh, is the name. Uh, anyway, Richard, I see the 23 combined wins. This is from Adam Schefter of ESPN. The 23 combined wins for the Bengals and Bills ties the record for the most ever combined wins in a Monday night football game. So this is quite a showdown tonight. It is. I mean, there's so much at stake. Both teams still can, can get the one seed. They need some help. Uh, the Bengals do from the Chiefs. The Bills actually control their own destiny to be the one seed. And the Bengals could finish anywhere from the one seed to the sixth seed. If they lose their last two games and, and the Chargers win next week, they suddenly find themselves probably having to go to Baltimore for the first round of the playoffs. So, yeah, there is just a ton at stake. Normally, I say normally, historically, the, the trend has been for coming out of a Super Bowl, the Super Bowl winner is usually very good the next year. Frequently, the, the team that loses in the Super Bowl uh, isn't. It's been just the opposite this year with the Rams struggling and out of the playoffs. And the Bengals, as you said, uh, they've been hot down the stretch here and a chance to actually be the one seed. What is it that has enabled Cincinnati to do that? I think the fact that last year was, was kind of a surprise. I mean, they, they it was making the playoffs wasn't because you drafted Joe Burrow and you could see what a special guy he was and Jamar Chase and what a special player he was. Um, but they kind of, I don't want to say snuck their way to the Super Bowl, but it was just so unexpected. So it was kind of just the opening of, of the window. Um, then they went in the offseason and, and upgraded the offensive line with three free agents, and that was a, a big, big deal. They returned literally every starter on defense that started in the Super Bowl last year. Um, so, you know, they had the continuity there. They did get off to the slow start, the 0-2 start. Some of that was a little freaky with the long snapper getting hurt in the Pittsburgh game and Burrow struggling out of the gate, and he was coming off the appendectomy. But it's a good roster. I think that's the big part of it is it's not a bunch of aging guys that somehow found their way to a Super Bowl. Kind of a bunch of young guys that found their way to the Super Bowl with the window just opening. So this is a really good roster for the next handful of years, um, You know, so long as they can keep the, the, the nucleus together, and I think they will. And they have a potential MVP quarterback in Burrow. And uh, I see in your column at Local12.com on this game, the, the first storyline for you is he actually could uh, or uh, is most likely going to uh, set a record, uh, at least for, for the moment, tonight. Yeah, uh, Drew Brees actually is the, the all-time leader in completion percentage. Burrow's is actually slightly better, but he doesn't have enough passes to qualify. He needs 12 passes tonight to qualify as the all-time record holder. The fun part is, the funny part is, not the fun part if you're a Bengals fan. The funny part is he could go 0 for 12 and still be the all-time passing leader tonight. So um, <laughs> he's going to set that record tonight no matter what is the all-time completion record holder. 
And, you know, you can look at that and go, oh, he must be a dink and dunk guy. He's really not. He's done a great job of that this year. The one thing he's improved on is he's taken checkdowns at a, at a better pace this season. I think it's really helped the offense move along. But he does like to push it down the field. And so when you look at that completion percentage, it's not just a dink and dunk guy. It's a guy that does like to push it to push it as far down the field. When you got your Mark Chase and T. Higgins, you probably should do that anyway. You have two of the rising QB stars in the NFL in this matchup with Burrow and Josh Allen of Buffalo. Allen's a guy that uh, Kentucky's Will Levis has uh, been compared to by some. Levis being projected as a uh, first-round pick. Uh, I'm sure you I know, I'm sure you follow the Wildcats. Uh, used to cover them. Uh, what's your take on, on Levis as a uh, NFL prospect? You know, I, I've read a lot of different things. Um, and, and a couple of GMs, there's a, there's a website called 30, the 33rd Team. It's a bunch of former GMs and players. And most of them rate Will higher than the rest of the quarterbacks in this class because, and I think they're right in this, he's had to face adversity. He's had to face a pass rush. He's had to make quicker decisions. This is not a knock, and I, I've got Ohio State fans that always get mad at me where I've, I've said I'm not trying to ever take an Ohio State quarterback because that guy gets to stand there and scan the field to his third, fourth, and fifth progressions and come back to number one a lot of times. You don't get that in the NFL. Will didn't get that this year. Will had to make quick decisions, throw the ball in the tight windows, and he's got the arm talent. I think the comparison to Josh Allen is a great one. If you look at Josh Allen's college numbers, only completed 56% of his passes. Now, granted, he didn't have the weapons and certainly didn't even have the weapons that Will has at Kentucky. But I think the comparison's a good one just because they're big, strong athletes who didn't get a chance to, to, to play for great teams and, and have a chance to stand in the pocket for five and six seconds. You don't get that in the NFL. So I think the comparison's really, really apt. Yeah, really, <clears throat> some of the issues Levis faced this year with a uh, an offensive line that struggles uh, may have probably, uh, ironically, uh, helped his case as a bright yeah, draft prospect, absolutely. Right? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's the big part to it. Um, it probably wasn't good for him because he got beat up and got beat yeah. around, but uh, I, I think NFL scouts could see he had to process stuff a lot quicker than, than Bryce Young has to process, that C.J. Stroud has to process. Not a knock on those guys. They could both be great quarterbacks in their own right, but I think the fact that Will did that under those circumstances is what has him, and obviously the physical skills and the, and the arm talent is what's got him moved up the charts so high. Should be a uh, quite an atmosphere at the stadium tonight there in Cincinnati. Richard, thanks for the time in the preview. You bet. Happy New Year, Tom. Take care. It's the same to you. That's Richard Skinner. It's uh, local12.com where you can read his uh, coverage uh, leading up to this game tonight. And uh, if you are a Bengals or Reds fan, a uh, good place to go. Uh, about a minute or so left here. A couple of notes. Uh, first, a question from Jonathan that I unfortunately missed when we had Freddie. Uh, Jonathan said, Destin looked really good in the first seven or so plays, which were scripted. Does a young quarterback benefit greatly from a scripted first drive? Absolutely. Uh, does this show us his true potential, or is a scripted drive too much of an advantage to determine true potential? Yeah, I mean, you don't you, you learn some things for the the game, uh, not just the first drive. So um, I, I think what Freddie said, just you you look about him battling through adversity and uh, you know still hanging in there in the second half. Didn't make in, didn't throw any interceptions in the second half. Didn't completely melt down. Didn't get him in the end zone, but they had a couple of decent drives in the second half where they at least threatened. So he kept battling, and I think that's what you look for uh, out of uh, Destin Wade. Interesting score uh, last night in college basketball, Michigan. Team Kentucky beat, pummeled Maryland, 81-46. to I think Maryland had 13 points at halftime. That'll do it for us. See you tomorrow on the Leach Report, everybody.
Thanks for listening to The Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow The Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom, email it to leachreport at gmail.com. See you next time right here on The Leach Report Radio Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.